during the world championships, you kept saying, don't get so stressed out and so nervous that you're not enjoying this experience. Right. And it was really good advice. Yeah. Because it can be really scary. Welcome to the other three years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Other Three Years podcast. This week is really fun and exciting. I interviewed my coach, Eric Catalano, who I call Cat. Most everybody calls him Cat. And we talked about a bunch of different things. He was the assistant sculling coach this summer for the national team. So he was with us the whole summer in... Princeton and then in Italy and of course in Belgrade so I just talked to him asked him some questions about what that was like because he's the head coach at Orion and the executive director at Saratoga Rowing but was like in an assistant role this summer so what that was like for him and just what his big takeaways were from the summer things that he thought maybe I needed to work on for the rest of the year which is kind of his job to tell me what to work on so that should have been an easy question i think as always he had many very good and inspirational and potent things to say and to share so i think if you're a rower or not an athlete or not there's a lot that you can get from him and from the conversation so i hope that everyone really enjoys it but before we get into that here's an update on what is currently going on in my training i'm in saratoga and I'm, I'd say like 70, 65 to 70% of the way back into training. I'm definitely feeling better. I'm not going to lie. Last week, I was tired and things that should not have been hard felt hard. It's really weird. Like I talked about last week, I think on the podcast, feeling out of shape, but you're also in shape. It's this really weird middle ground. And it's really weird to say that I felt out of shape because I know that I am not out of shape. But in rowing, we peak for like a six to eight minute race, but our training is hours long. So it's a really weird dynamic to get back to those like hours and hours of training and low heart rate and your heart rate is way higher than it should be and your body feels horrible and you know but that's why we do it that's why you love it so it's really fun and this past week i got to go for some really fun bike rides and i got some really nice rows and we had some beautiful days on the water as kat and i kind of talk about in our conversation actually don't know if it'll be in this episode so if you don't hear it then tune in next week because we're going to share part two but We talk a little bit about the struggle between coming back to training after Worlds and then a lot of my teammates that have been here, have been training and are going really fast right now and kind of the dynamic between those things of one doesn't really affect the other and how do we kind of cohabitate and everyone support each other but not take anything personally from what the other group is doing. I think I've just been trying to navigate that and I will be the first to say that I am always a work in progress and am always looking to like learn and adapt and I wouldn't say that it's all been super super easy um, because I always want to be out there and be competitive but in the same time I'm a strong believer that you can have two feelings at the same time and I'm happy for my teammates and really proud of them and really psyched to see them going so fast. It's just hard to be taking 
break time when other people are making improvements and not to think, oh no, like I need to be doing that when I know I don't, but it's just like a nav- a hard thing to navigate. But yesterday, uh, so it's it's Monday and yesterday on Sunday, went on a long ride with some of our friends and some of my teammates to Lake George. It's a, I think it was 63 miles round trip. So took us a couple hours, but it was a beautiful day and it was a really fun ride. So that was really nice. And then this morning we did this fun triathlon that my teammates have been doing all summer and I was pretty nervous about, which again alludes to a point in our conversation that I think is going to be in next week's episode of me feeling the need to stress out about things that are unnecessary to stress out about. But I don't know. I did a bad job yesterday, so maybe today will be better. But I was unnecessarily stressed out about this triathlon because I had not done it before. But basically, we rode for an hour, then uh, ran around, um, we call it the Fitch Loop, which is like six miles, which took about an hour. And then we rode our bikes around the lake, which was like 16 or 18 miles or something. So also took about an hour. So it was about three hours of cardio right in the morning on a Monday morning. So it was actually super fun. I loved it. And yeah, now it's Monday. It's a good Monday. Got some work done and did some working out and just happy to be back living a more normal life. This coming weekend, it's my mom's 60th birthday. I don't know if she'd be upset by me saying how old she's turning. I don't think so because she like looks amazing for a second. She is, she is amazing. So I'm going to be going home to celebrate her birthday. Some of my teammates are going to the Green Mountain Head Regatta, which is a really fun stake turn race in Vermont. And yeah, we're kind of just in full fall swing of things. I'm going to the post-track tranquility event tomorrow night that I think people heard about in the episode last week. And I'm actually really excited. I think it's going to be really fun. So stay tuned next week for my review of the post-track tranquility event. Yeah, I think that's it for what's currently happening. So here is my conversation with my coach, Kat. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Other Three Years. So this is very exciting. I have Kat, my coach. I always feel like I should introduce you as Eric in formal situations. You you may. I, I think more people will know me as Kat, though. Oh, no, you as Kat than um, Eric. Back on the podcast. Yeah. You're our, my I'm first uh, reoccurring guest. Honored. So I thought that it would be cool to talk to you about your experience this summer, because correct me if I'm wrong, it was your first senior national team world's experience. Yes. I thought that maybe we could start by talking about what the experience was like, especially because I feel a major change that I've seen you, Sasha Ryan, go through and I've gone through is that we used to be very much outside the system. And I feel like that was a little bit of our identity. And and we can definitely explain that for people a little bit more. And now we're kind of inside the system, which is a new role for all of us. So I don't know if you felt similar to that or like, and I think your coaching this summer was a different experience for you. I know you were explaining that to me a little bit and what that was like. Yeah, sure. So uh, this summer I was uh, assisting with the lightweight women's double and the openweight women's double, and then also a little bit with the uh, women's quad and the lightweight men's double. But I think for the most part, I was kind of 
helping out. Uh, Yossi was coaching the women's doubles. So having me there, I, I think was his, uh, I was able to kind of fill in when whatever gaps uh, he needed. I also kind of helped with rigging and, and getting the boats ready and that kind of stuff. But I will say it was a little different experience than I expected. I am used to being the head coach of a program and kind of everything running through me and uh, taking kind of the lead on everything. And in this scenario, I was an assistant coach. So I think it's good for, for everyone. It was definitely good for me uh, to have that space where I have to kind of take a step back and spend more time uh, supporting uh, what the head coach is doing and uh, and trying to fill in whatever gaps I can without being kind of the owner of the training, but more, you know, just a part of the training. So at first I was expecting to do a little more, you know, hands-on coaching if that's, if that's a term, but uh, kind of learned uh, different roles that I could take throughout the training and was able to spend a little more time kind of really trying to, I mean, my goal, and I don't know if you felt it or not, but my goal was really to try and just support the culture a little bit more. Like if I wasn't going to be out there instructing on a ton of things on the water, it was to support the culture and, and to really try and help keep the vibes good and keep everyone on the same page. It was weird because that kind of stuff is so soft that you don't know if any of it's working. It's <laughs> You just hope that you know, your presence is, is kind of helping. And in the end, I, I will say that uh, afterwards, one of the uh, athletes gave me a really nice, sent me a really nice text and uh, and kind of mentioned how I had helped in that way. And I hadn't mentioned that that, that was my goal. So really hearing that, you know, I was really pleased that uh, that at least to her it was a my goal was accomplished in in her in her mind even though she didn't know that that's what I was going after <laughs> yeah. yeah no I I mean I definitely felt it too but I think just like going back because I think you mentioned that you know at in Saratoga and at Orion like you are in charge of everything you're the one that we all ask questions you don't really report you know you yeah. are the head yeah honcho yeah. so was it a challenge to then not be in that role and like how did you deal oh, with that yeah. oh i mean at first i i was super excited because i was like wow i'm gonna have the next six weeks where i don't have to make any decisions and i feel like my my life up until that point was like just a constant state of decision fatigue so getting into that space i'm like wow this is great i don't have to make any decisions but then i did really you know start to miss making decisions. So that's when I kind of thought, all right, I need to change change my goals for this and see if I can support culture, think about uh, different ways that I can make an impact. I just feel like I think that you handled that, the whole thing well, like at least from my vantage point. And I feel like that would be a struggle for people. Like say you are at one job and then you go to another job and you're no longer in charge, like how do you navigate that, especially if maybe sometimes you disagree with what the people, and I'm not saying that you did, but like if yeah. you're kind of disagreeing with the people that are your superiors or whatever are doing, yeah. how do you navigate that? Yeah, I I think the other thing that I did is I really like looked for opportunities to 
just be a student myself. Like if I was going to be in an assistant role, I wanted to know exactly what the head coach was looking for. And so, you know, and a lot of times in the launch, you know, I was just listening to what he was saying, watching uh, what he was watching and just kind of learning and coming up with ways that I can uh, try and teach that same thing through my own voice. And uh, and it was good because this was the new coaching staff has like some different takes on kind of when we started in this whole journey. The, the head coach uh, for the U.S. women uh, was different. And so as the regime changed, there is like different styles. There's a, They're looking for different things. So being able to kind of figure out what it is that uh, that makes the new regime really excited was a good learning experience for me and, and will help me restructure our training to ensure that we are, you know, aiming towards what they're looking for. I know you've mentioned to me before that if I lose, you don't think you lost, but if I win, you don't think you won. Like you're not and I, I mean, yeah. I don't, I'm not trying to put my words in your mouth. That's just like what I've, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I've said that. <laughs> um, like you're not, you know, that's not why you're doing it and you don't necessarily feel those things. But did did you feel a sense of like accomplishment over the summer being that both of the boats you were primarily working with like medaled at the world championships? Um, I did, but in the same sense that I I really don't I really don't take a lot of the wins and, and losses personally, whether I'm the head coach or the assistant coach. So I don't Can you maybe explain what that conversation that we had before of you not taking like the wins and losses personally? Yeah. Because I think that's different from other coaches. Yeah. I I mean I feel like my role is to help to help you get into the best place that you can. But what happens on race day is, you know, it's up to you. It's up to the universe. There's a lot of things that go into that uh, that are outside of my control. And I feel like one of my strengths is really only focusing on the things that are inside my control. And get having you prepared, having my athletes ready to race, those are in my control. And, and I can feel accomplished when those pieces are aligned. I try not to get stressed at all about the things that are outside of my control. That's easier said than done. Yeah. For me. (laughs) (laughs) Personally, I love to stress about things that are outside of my control, (laughs) as I think most of the population would agree. (laughs) Um, No, I don't love to do it. I just do it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. We're all well, a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm. I, I think I'm pretty good at catching myself, like yeah. getting stressed over things if things are outside of my control. It's always just reframe it and take care of the stuff in your control. That's true. A catism that I don't think I mentioned last time you were on that I try to think about all the time is like, what's one thing that you can do today that will make every day after this easier and better? Yeah, yeah. helps me not procrastinate. That's a good one. As that catism was taken from some book on business. I forget which one. <laughs> so it's not actually a catism, but thank are, you. Thank you for attributing it to me. Are any of them like originals? Uh, the absence of a compliment is not an insult. Mm. So one of my teammates, Megan Goodman, likes to uh, give us 
high, low, and buffalo. So what would you say was your high, low, and buffalo of the world championships? High was probably you getting a medal. Uh, That's something that I have wanted to happen for a long time as much as you have wanted to happen for a long time. The low was actually not being there in person to see it. Uh, I was sick that day and uh, and uh, stayed away from uh, the race course. Uh, so that was tough to watch on the computer. <laughs> so went all the way to Belgrade to watch you <laughs> on the computer, which oh. I had done at home <laughs> in previous yeah. years. And the buffalo. Buffalo was that I ate fresh fig for the first time. And then I ate like seven or eight of them every single day because there was the fig bush that we walked past on the way to practice every single day that was in italy that was italy yes yeah oh you mean belgrade no it's okay that's that counts no my buffalo in belgrade was i went to the mall (laughs) with uh michael martinoff and he swore there was a grocery store there and we walked around that mall like seven times and then he found it in the basement And I was like, it's not here, Michael. It's not here. <laughs> yeah, and and you went shopping. You bought all that stuff. I did buy some stuff. I did buy some stuff for uh, for thousands and thousands of whatever their currency is. Dinar. <laughs> Dinars. Like dinner, but which dinar. Is, which was actually like 25 bucks. I thought you were going to say something about all the ice creams you guys had at the race course. Oh, we did. <laughs> Isabel and I had ice cream every day. So... Obviously, it was very exciting and very fun to race at World Champs, but now we're in this super weird time that happens every year when we come home. And I think that maybe I will be good at it by the time I retire rowing. <laughs> but I do think I learn a little bit every year. Yeah, yeah. But do you think maybe you can just talk a little bit about kind of maybe like the state of Orion right now and just the the challenge? I don't know if challenge is the right word, but just like the interesting aspect of different athletes doing different things. Yeah, sure. So I feel like last year and years prior, you would just kind of like jump right back into training. And I don't know if I pressured you on it at all, but but I feel like there wasn't much of a downtime. So that's kind of been consciously, I think you've been, at least from my perspective, you've been working on that. and, And I've been trying to also like make sure that you and and the other athletes who are at Worlds uh, had a little more space to recover from the season. But at the same time, the other part of our team, they took their, they had their recovery earlier in, you know, from their year earlier in the uh, summer. So they're actually up and running. So it's a tricky time because we have like some people who are just kind of getting their feet wet again after taking a recovery and some people who are kind of hitting their stride and getting ready for uh, racing. So it is a little bit tricky. I think it's tricky for the athletes uh, as, you know, people have different goals approaching and uh, and I think it's tricky as a coach. Um, and I've noticed like, you know, for athletes as well, like it's not easy. It's not easy to watch other people going fast when you're in a place where you're not trying to go fast and uh, kind of seeing these like, you know, I want to be going that fast, but I'm supposed to be like taking a break and other people being, I want to go fast, but you know, these uh, other people aren't 
even practicing with us, but I want to see how fast I am relative to that other, you know, to those other people. So it is, it is tricky in the team dynamics. And we talked about that a little bit, uh, in a team meeting and trying to, uh, talk about different parts of the team having different goals, uh, as we, uh, as we go into the fall and, uh, and being in your best space uh, for a race this summer is a lot different than being in your best space for a race in November and uh, and trying to f- balance those I think is tricky but a good challenge and I think you know we'll all learn from it each time we do it I think that it's hard because I at least for me I want to be a good teammate and I want to support my teammates but I think exactly what you said is true. We wouldn't be here if we weren't competitive people and compartmentalizing the like I'm not being competitive right now with just who I am as a person is really hard. And even though I know that it is smart to take time off and I've learned over the years that jumping back into I think I had com- competition fatigue yeah. last year more than like physical fatigue. My body felt fine and my mind was tired of sitting at a start line. Yeah. But that still doesn't mean that it's any easier in the moment of practice. Yeah. So I just feel like that's the, for me personally, that's the challenge. Yeah. And I can definitely see that. I can see, you know, people struggling with uh, with that. And I'm just trying to understand and I'm hoping that we can kind of push it throughout our team that we're uh, that we all try and understand that we can compete competing with each other as it may be fun. It may make practice a little more interesting, but ultimately we want to compete with us, you know, a standard that is going to achieve the level we want to uh, achieve. So, you know, we want to, we want to be fast more than we want to be faster than our teammate. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a tricky thing to learn because as soon as you're at the lined up next to someone, you forget and you want to be faster than the person <laughs> next to you. Um, and when I was coaching juniors, I, I tried to kind of always work with them and uh, and talk about like your goal isn't to make the varsity. If you just try to make the varsity, you could be in a slow varsity. Your goal is to like be really fast and then you will make it like then the, the other things line up once you're fast you know then you'll be in a fast boat but just making the boat doesn't mean that the boat is going to be good being fast means that the boat is going to be good and uh, and that i think it's it's a different way to look at approaching the uh, the same thing but it is hard because you know as soon as you get in a starting block next to somebody like your mindset doesn't shift that you're going against a clock or, or yourself, <laughs> you suddenly like, oh, there they are. There's my competitor. And it is helpful to kind of personify our competitors. I think that, you know, does help along the way. But we can't we can't forget that ultimately, like, if you're fast, you'll be in a fast boat because you make it fast. If you just get in a boat, it doesn't mean it's going to be fast. Yeah. I think about the the sign that said, you want to be a person that people want to be in a boat with and they don't want to be in a boat against. Like, 
Yeah. You want to yeah. be in a you want to be a person that people want in their boat and they don't want to be racing you. <laughs> I think about that with the juniors too like I would always say or you would probably say and then I would say like you want to be the person that when other people hear you're in their boat they're like yes, you know. Yeah. yeah. Because it's just going to make everything better rather than hoping that you're going to be in, you know, some scenario. Right. Even I could make some high school boats. It doesn't mean that boat is going to be fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is funny, though, because I think that I did achieve a goal this year that I had had for a while, which is exciting. But it's this same weird thing of you think you're going to feel different after you achieve some sort of goal. And then you sort of just basically feel exactly the same. Yeah. I think that goes to the the idea that happiness is not on the other side of any particular goal. Yeah. Not happiness, but even satisfaction. It's not a threshold that we cross when we get to that goal. Like it has to be found like along the way. Yeah. It's just something that I wish that I had known a while ago because I think that there was so much of my rowing career that I spent thinking – if I just do this, if I just do this. And I can still see that it's hard for like some of my teammates that maybe haven't been around as long. They say, well, you can say that because you've done it. Right. And I'm like, no, that's the problem. Like this is the issue is that you're thinking that it's just because I went to the Olympics or just because whatever. But in reality, like I still have the same insecurities that I had. I mean, maybe not all of them, but like, a lot of them. It's the same, you know, you're not automatically going to be happier on the other side of a promotion or yeah. on the new job or or whatever. It, it's not a destination. It, it, it can't be, it can't be on the, like the grass is greener. And as soon as this happens, I'm going to be happy. I'm using happy, but satisfied or fulfilled or without anxiety or whatever the, whatever the case may be. It's not on the other side of some goal. Yeah. But then it is this weird flip side because then you kind of hit the, well, then why are you doing it if you're not going to feel some sort of satisfaction or happiness or whatever? And I thought, I think it's interesting because also like during the world championships, Yossi kept saying like, this is why we do all of, don't get so stressed out and so nervous that you're not enjoying this experience. Right. And it was really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Because it can be really scary. (laughs) So I coach through walkie-talkies, and I've always appreciated that I can, like, talk. And they can't really talk back to me because theirs are all in, you know, in waterproof bags and such. Uh, But sometimes I feel like somebody, some people have, like, just turned it off or turned it down. Uh, I don't think I've ever turned you off, but I do just kind of, you know, you can zone it out if, if you need to. Yeah. Well, because Kat, so he coaches us through these walkie-talkies and we do a lot of rate-shifting things. And he'll, so he'll say, okay, we're going to do three minutes at this and then two minutes at this and one minute at this. And he'll say, okay, I'll I'll tell you at the two-minute mark, at the three-minute mark. And he is so wrong all the time. Like his time, it's like minutes wrong. (laughs) He's always, so it's like, you're just. So one, I have two excuses. 
it's like why do you reasons even not excuses reasons my first reason is that i really like watching rowing i forget to look at my clock and know and catch the transitions uh but two is i bought this like three dollar watch from amazon and it's been sitting outside in my launch for the past several years and i just realized like this week as i tried as i reset it like three times this week i think it loses like 20 minutes a day like i come back and love like i set this thing yesterday and it's like so during your practice it probably does just it's, the clock just loses time okay sure we can blame the clock <laughs> um so what has been what were you looking forward to coming home and what has been like the best part about coming back to regular life maybe the worst part also uh so i was looking forward to a lot of things i because i spent so much time like just watching rowing and thinking about how i would kind of help or how i would explain the things that i that i was seeing uh i just i feel like i had a lot of brain space to think while i was away not have not making so many decisions uh, so I was really excited to just kind of try new things and uh, and explain things in different ways. I was also really excited to live by myself. I haven't had a uh, a roommate in a really long <laughs> time, and uh, and this was a long time to have a roommate. And I was really excited to just like have the walkie-talkie again. Oh, good, good. Any surprises since you've come home? I mean, outside of our buildings being renovated that was very <laughs> which exciting. was really yeah. really exciting yeah um uh i don't want to say surprises but i was really pleased with the progress that some of the athletes i haven't worked with in a really long time i came back and i feel like they're moving really well um so the, that was super exciting uh and what do i miss all my meals being made for me <laughs> <laughs> I am I am back to eating a dehydrated Huel. The Prince print, and Training Center girls could not compute that you don't cook. They were yeah. like, "How do you eat?" Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just do. I mean, Huel yeah. is not really food. I mean, that... you just pour a little water in and stick it in the microwave. You cook it. The Huel, yeah, the hot and savory Huel. What is? Is it like soup? It's like, like lentils? It's like dehydrated stuff yeah stuff like vegetables meat there's like they're like curries and yeah wow is it good there's a pasta one too i think it's good i survive on it but does it taste good some of them do yeah yeah hmm. and soylent soylent you don't cook though do you, you want just, to explain you how drink. you make your soylent smoothie <laughs> Sure. Is this an advertisement for Soylent? <laughs> this is a delicious smoothie, by the way. So you take two bananas and chop them up and put them in the blender. And then you put five scoops of Soylent in. Sorry, can you specify, though, that you don't peel the banana? Oh, they're frozen bananas. And yeah, just chop them. Like, I don't, I don't take the peels off. Just chop them up and throw them in. Two bananas frozen. And then five scoops of uh, Soylent and some water and blend it and it's amazing why do you leave the peel on the banana i don't have the energy to peel them i can't tell that there's a peel when it's blended there's no i take the sticker off <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah think of how much fiber i get
I was going to say, like, <laughs> there must be some sort of nutritional value. I would think so. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. We could ask Liz Fusco. We could. I heard she was on the podcast. She was, and it was a great episode. Everyone should go listen. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask her about banana peel. Yeah, I'd be interested to know. So what would you say are your, like, key takeaways from the summer, if you have any? Uh, My follow-up question was going to be, what do you think are the things I can do to improve the most in this next year without giving, like, my competitors some sort of... Upper edge. <laughs> um, my key takeaways are just a, a big emphasis on on rhythm and a big emphasis on using the momentum and the mass of your body in the rowing stroke really effectively. And I think it's very easy to get into a into a push really hard mentality, but a lot of people push hard and and sometimes people who can't push as hard as others can still go faster and it's really i think related to uh how well you like use your mass and uh and can take advantage of levers and momentum and swing and also uh the idea uh of just kind of tapping and tapping and spinning and just maintaining speed rather than really looking for something heavy and I'm using, you know, vague terms, but uh, but instead of like grabbing a bunch of weight and then throwing it as far as you can, it's like, can you just tap it along? Can you keep it moving, keep it spinning? And so being able to see to see that in action a little bit more uh, was a big uh, takeaway for me. The other one is uh, is giving a little more space for kind of easy, steady state uh work is something that especially in our program uh because we have so many competitive people out there and we're in singles and I like to have everyone you know in a group together where I can talk to everyone and see everyone because everyone's in such close proximity they kind of start racing in a kind of general sense and not consciously racing but they're jostling for position uh and it really kind of ups the intensity of the practice that that maybe we needed a little bit less intense and a little uh, more like easy with kind of movement focused instead of like racing each other focused. Uh, so really trying to find a way to make a little more room for that in our program is another takeaway for me. For you, uh, I think just continuing to uh, get body over finding this, I mean, we've been uh, working on that for a little while, and I think you've made a lot of progress uh, this year, but a, but a cleaner, easier release coming into body over, and then also really just narrowing down your focus to the things that you can control. And, <laughs> and I feel like, sorry if I give things away, but I feel like you, you give away a lot of your brain space to, uh, to other people. That you, that you don't need to give away to other people. Yeah. I can share um, with everybody something I shared with Kat recently, and obviously I have had kind of an emotional um, couple of months, like, in my personal life, which was not fun. But I was obviously using up a lot of emotional energy to deal with my life, 
and I could then couldn't spend that emotional energy on rowing because I didn't have any more emotional energy to spend. Turns out there's a limit. And but it was actually like a really good experience because I realized that I had been spending a lot of emotional energy on things that really didn't matter and that when I didn't have that emotional energy to spend, I was just like matter of fact and uh, it was just so much simpler and so much easier to like complete a practice or complete a hard workout or if something didn't go well like be able to walk away from it and not take it super personally not let it affect the rest of my I think it was just a good lesson for me in my life that spending emotional energy on things that are outside of your control is just like it's only negatively affecting you so Kat was right. Emotions are fleeting and useless. Yes, thank was basically you. Thank the you. Moral of the story. But. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know that saying, like holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. Yeah. And like you kind of are giving brain space to other people isn't like affecting them. It's affecting you. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I think. It's not even with emotional energy, but, you know, being worried about what other people think doesn't change anything about their life. It only affects you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And my finish has to get better. And the finish has to get better. Yeah. So I hope that everyone enjoyed that conversation and be sure to tune in next week because we're going to share part two of the conversation where the tables kind of turn and he asks me some questions, which I really just sprung on him and he did a pretty good job. So maybe he should have a slight future in podcasting. I don't know. But to close the show this week, I have a quote from Muhammad Ali who says, you don't lose if you get knocked down. You lose if you stay down. With that, I hope everyone has a great week. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. I'd love to hear from you, so send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.